well, we're going to start today with our conversation with Ben Matthias of Vertex Ventures. Ben, welcome to the session. Thank you, Simon, and thank you for having me here. So, Ben, let's start by introducing you to our audience. What, um, you know, some background about yourself, some background about Vertex Ventures. What do you, uh, you yeah, know, what size funds, what is the focus? Yeah, my background is I became a VC about 11 years ago. And uh, before that, I was um, actually a tech guy working in Silicon Valley in the enterprise software industry. I uh, moved to India about 10 years ago to uh, start VC investing here. Uh, joined Vertex three years ago. And uh, just a little bit of background on Vertex. We are a global network of funds uh, headquartered out of Singapore. And uh, we have uh, active funds in uh, the US. Uh, we have one in China, we have one in Israel. And I'm a part of the Southeast Asia and India Fund. Uh, we're an early stage tech-focused fund, typically invest in Series A, uh, sometimes Series B. And uh, our uh, initial check size is uh, just like typical Series A investors between two and $5 million. And then of course we reserve uh, money for follow-ons. Um, How big is the fund? Broadly, uh, the Southeast Asia and India Fund is $210 million. Um, okay. And uh, our current fund, uh, we closed uh, um, date last year. And uh, so we're about a third into the investing cycle of that fund. Okay. So just uh, FYI, we had your Israel partner here uh, recently as well. So we've heard from the Israel perspective. I know. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> so uh, what, uh, what sectors do you like to uh, focus on? Oh, well, um, we've done a variety of software investments, uh, both in Southeast Asia as well as in India. I'll give you some of the recent examples. Uh, we invested in a company called Active AI, which is a, a software for conversational banking. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a company that originated out of uh, both Singapore and India, uh, but now is, is pretty much selling uh, globally, uh, including in North America. Uh, we also invested in a company called uh, Flutura, which is uh, Industry IoT Analytics. Uh, again, that's a company that originated in Bangalore, but is now um, uh, deployed in several large oil and gas companies uh, in the U.S. and in Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. So we uh, we look at all types of software, uh, enterprise SaaS, IoT, uh, AI, uh, a lot of fintech software as well. So B B two B though mostly. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, our fund, um, we've done both B2B and B2C. Uh, we have a very uh, strong B2C portfolio as well. Uh, for example, we were the uh, first investor in uh, Grad, which is the uh, uh, ride-sharing leader in Southeast Asia. Uh, we also are investors in uh, M17, which is the largest uh, video streaming, one of the largest video streaming companies in Asia. Uh, and then First Cry, which is... Uh, uh, the largest um, mom and kid e-commerce company out of India. Uh, so we've done a lot of B2C. Um, I'd say a lot of our recent investments have been in uh, B2B and in fintech uh, okay. across Southeast Asia and India. Um, let's spend a few minutes talking about geography. You're uh, talking about South Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, what is the boundary of where you like to invest? And then. I'd like to also understand configuration. Um, we have, we obviously cover India very extensively, and as you know, we have a big presence in India. So um, we have come, we have come to observe a bunch of trends that I'd like to discuss with you. 
uh, in terms of configurations of companies. So why don't we, why don't you start and, and I'll uh, probe. <laughs> yeah, in terms of geography, uh, Samana, we are uh, a Southeast Asia and India-focused fund. So other than India, we also invest in, in, in companies in Singapore, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, and we're looking at opportunities in Thailand and uh, Vietnam as well. Um, from an India standpoint, uh, we invest in um, um, companies that focus on India as a market, uh, and we also invest in companies that uh, originate in India but focus on global markets. And a lot of those companies tend to evolve into being uh, cross-border companies, uh, typically one founder in India and one in the U.S., um, and in some cases they even shift their incorporation to the U.S. Uh, and a lot of these but a lot of the operations remain in India. And um, so would it be fair to say that your consumer investment is in the markets that you're in, like the Indian market or the South Asian market, Southeast Asian market, whereas the B2B investment is global? Uh, that's correct. So consumer investment, um, Typically, if it's a company that uh, originated in India, it stays focused on the Indian market because that is a very large market, as you know. Uh, if it's a company that originated in Southeast Asia, um, uh, you know, for example, in Singapore or Indonesia, uh, they tend to expand across the region, and they eventually uh, expand to all the Southeast Asian economies. Uh, so Grab, for example, is now in, uh, in most of the Southeast Asian countries. So, Do um, you invest yeah, in B2B ventures? That would be uh, Indian B2B facing, for instance, Indian SMB, Indian B2B? Uh, we do. And in fact, um, uh, most of our companies uh, started off as being, uh, as having their initial customer base in India. Um, but at the end of the day, the Indian market, uh, B2B market, is, is limited in size. And uh, you could probably get to be a $20 million ARR company uh, if you're focused on India. But if you really want to get to the $100 million ARR, uh, you need to be focused uh, outside of India as well. And uh, we find sort of two categories of companies. Uh, there are the companies that have built solutions for emerging markets, and uh, they would typically expand out of India into Southeast Asia and the Middle East. And mm -hmm. uh, there are companies that have, that have built technology that are applicable in uh, global markets. And uh, then the, the quickest path to success there is to be able to start uh, penetrating the U.S. market. Um, but all these, all these companies all originated in India. Their first set of customers uh, were Indian customers, and uh, those customers helped them own the software and really fine-tune it before they start take it, they're taking it overseas. What, uh, if you look at the deal flow from the last 12, let's say 15 months, what are the highlights? What trends are you seeing? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The deal flow has really changed in the last uh, couple of years. So um, mm -hmm. two years ago, we saw a lot of deal flow in, um, uh, in consumer companies, B2C companies. Uh, we saw a lot of deal flow in the shared economy. Uh, for example, shared uh, right sharing, logistics sharing, um, those kinds of things. Uh, now, that sector is sort of, I would say, mature beyond CDZ. And uh, the peer leaders have emerged in those sectors and those leaders are now raising B rounds and C rounds. Uh, what we're seeing a lot of now are sort of two categories. One is uh, FinTech. Uh, we still see a lot of um, early stage FinTech companies. Um, mm -hmm. And then we see a lot of enterprise SaaS. 
uh, in the Series A. And typically, companies that have uh, raised uh, half a million, half a million in seed funding and have gotten to uh, close to a million dollars in revenue, uh, and then are ready to raise, uh, raise their Series A. Uh, and then we're starting to see a lot of pure play tech companies, uh, AI, uh, NLP, IoT. Uh, the challenge there, of course, is to sort through all the flux and really sift out the companies who are doing genuine uh, uh, technology development uh, rather than just using the buzzwords to impress the VCs. Mm -hmm. um, the good news is that we've started to see a lot of uh, uh, pure play tech companies uh, in the last one year. Can you elaborate on some fintech concepts that are promising in the current Indian landscape or Southeast Asian landscape? Yeah, so fintech, we're seeing a lot of uh, different things within fintech. So um, one of the big uh, areas that we're seeing a lot of is in digital lending, uh, both for SMEs as well as uh, for consumers. And uh, the uh, success of other and UPI and also the uh, EKYC norms that have been rolled up by the government are lending uh, very well to uh, digital lending. And uh, so we've seen a number of companies there. Um, we've also seen a lot of companies in personal finance, so um, uh, wealth management, investing strategies for middle-income people. Uh, mm -hmm. Typically, the higher-income people get one-on-one -on -one, uh, personal finance uh, help, but uh, people who are uh, uh, 25, 30 years uh, of age who are in IT jobs, uh, uh, they don't have a solution available. So we're seeing a lot of companies at their solutions addressing that. Uh, the other thing we're seeing a lot of is uh, supply chain financing, uh, so businesses to uh, finance their receivables. Um, and this is across both India as well as Southeast Asia. Um, mm -hmm. The one thing we're seeing in FinTech, the trends are fairly similar in, uh, across the region, and uh, we're able to sort of learn from um, uh, various companies in, in different geographies because of very similar trends. And what is your um, assessment of the regulatory situation around all this? Well, I think the regulatory situation has definitely um, uh, come a long way in the last uh, last few years, and definitely with the UPI um, and EKYC uh, norms that have come out, uh, it is a lot clearer in terms of uh, regulation. Uh, one thing that we're still waiting to evolve is P2P lending, uh, the regulations for P2P lending in in India. Uh, but beyond that, I think the regulate, uh, regulations are quite clear on uh, digital lending. Yeah, in the country. So peer-to-peer -peer is not yet in swing? Peer-to-peer uh, -peer is not yet very clear. Uh, RBI has issued some guidelines, but uh, I think the reason VCs have not jumped in uh, into that space is because the regulations are still not very clearly defined. But all, all other forms of digital lending, there's no real regulatory hurdle in building companies. It's more execution hurdle? No. Okay. Yeah, Good. yeah. There's, there's no regulatory hurdle uh, for the other forms. And um, in terms of deep technology companies, um, could you share uh, maybe one or two examples from your portfolio or from your radar that are interesting uh, global potential, you know, projects? Yeah, let me talk a, a little bit about uh, one of the companies I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, Active.ai. Uh, this is a uh, technology company that's building technology solutions for uh, conversational banking. Uh, and they are deployed with uh, several large banks in India. Uh, uh, they've deployed in one uh, 
one bank that's across Southeast Asia and also one in North America, uh, being used in multiple languages. And um, the uh, use case here is basically for people to do their banking either to uh, a chat interface or to a voice interface. Um, and um, this could be transactional banking. This could be something as simple as uh, 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 QAs, um, FAQs. Uh, but uh, different customers have deployed it in different ways. And we're, um, uh, when the company first came to us at their seed stage a couple of years ago, we were not uh, quite sure whether this thing would actually uh, get adopted. Uh, but we've been very, uh, very excited by the fact that several large banks have actually adopted this and have gone live and are using this in production. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is technology that got built in India, but is now being used in North America. It's being used in several countries in Asia. And mm -hmm. uh, we're very excited about this company. And what is the funding cycle of this company? Where, uh, you know, how did the company build its technology? What stage did it start raising money? Where has it raised money so far? Yeah, so it raised money, uh, I think the first round was about two years ago. Um, the company, first of all, got started in uh, the three founders, two in Singapore, one in Bangalore. Uh, it raised the seed round about two years ago. And then uh, we started talking to them uh, maybe in the middle of last year uh, for the Series A. And uh, uh, in, uh, I think October, November, we closed the Series A round. We led the round. Uh, the seed investors, which were um, IDG and Kalari, co-invested with us. Uh, and then we also got a couple of other uh, uh, investors to come in for uh, about a million dollars each. So this is about an $8 million Series A that uh, mm -hmm. we led. And that's the only fund financing they have so far? Uh, that's correct, yeah. So they've done the seed and they've done the uh, Series A. And uh, for a company like that to get to Series A of the, of the style that you're talking about, what are the metrics? Is, is there already revenue, significant revenue, million-dollar revenue? What, what are we talking about? Yeah, they were at about a million dollars of revenue before. Uh, at the time, they started talking to us for the Series A. And uh, really the metric for us uh, was, uh, can this thing be adopted outside India? Um, mm -hmm. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can be very successful in India, but only get to be a $20 million business. Uh, so number one, is the technology applicable? Are there, are there non-Indian companies that will use this? Uh, and number two, are the founders really capable of selling outside India? And uh, we see a lot of companies with great potential, uh, but the founding team doesn't have that experience that skill set to go into North America and start selling, for example. Um, and this team proved it to us because they sold um, uh, both in, in Southeast Asia as well as in India. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, as well as in North America. So those are kind of the two metrics that we, we looked at. Um, we also you know, did a similar investment in the company called Futura, which is industrial IoT. Uh, very similar situation. When they came to us, they were about a million in revenue. Uh, and they already had Fortune 500 customers uh, in several uh, countries. And that's what got us uh, convinced. So it, it's a reasonably fair statement to say that um, Series A deals in your geography are happening post-million dollar revenue run rate. Uh, that's correct. And the good thing about uh, starting a company in India is that uh, the, the costs here for uh, developers are very low, and uh, you can build a company, you can get the product out, and you can get your initial set of customers uh, with under half a million dollars of funding. 
And uh, there is uh, there are a good number of incubators and accelerators, seed investors in India. So it's a very healthy um, uh, ecosystem uh, for uh, seed-funded companies right now. And uh, uh, we actually have a problem of plenty because we have a lot of companies coming to us that have reached that million-dollar ARR and uh, all look very attractive, but of course we can't invest in all of them. And um, when you look at the Indian geography, like, you know, within India, what is the distribution of deal flow that you're seeing? Is there a bias towards Bangalore? I know Chennai has done pretty well. Pune has done well. What are you seeing in terms of a more general statistics from your perspective? Yeah, it's pretty scattered. I'd say about um, Bangalore uh, for sure um, is the leader in terms of uh, number of companies, but uh, we do see a lot of companies coming from Chennai, uh, from Pune, and also from the uh, NCI region. Um, and uh, recently we started to see uh, a lot of startups out of Hyderabad as well. So I'd say um, uh, All the cities are there's performing. a fairly good distribution. Okay. Sorry? All the cities are performing, all the major metros are performing. Um, yes. What about what about the Series A gap? You just said that there's a lot of companies that are able to get to a million dollar ARR. Uh, how much of that pool is getting the Series A funding and you know what percentage is falling into the Series A gap? Yeah, you know, I, um, there are probably about 10 to 15 active Series A funds here in India. And uh, um, I'd say that's just about enough at this point. Uh, so I don't think we have a shortage in Series A. Um, and all of us uh, interact quite a bit. We share deals. We, uh, we co-invest on, on opportunities. Um, where there is a gap, I do believe, is in the Series B and Series C. Um, and um, on the consumer companies, we do get, um, I'd say, there are a lot of Chinese investors that are coming in, investing in the, the later stage rounds for the consumer companies. Uh, but if you're not able to get one of those investors, then you're sort of stuck uh, for the later mm -hmm. rounds. Um, and in the enterprise companies, I think uh, to get to Series B, Series C, you really need to start going outside India to uh, find those investors who write the larger checks. But that's really not a big problem because uh, if these companies are trying to go global, it sounds like most of you are investing in Series A deals that are global B2B. Um, if they if they have the metrics and with their Series A funding, raising Series B, Series C in Silicon Valley or elsewhere in the U.S. is not that difficult. Is that, are you in agreement with that statement? Uh, that is true, and I think uh, the role of uh, one of the roles that we play is to uh, number one help the founders get uh, established in North America. And uh, we're finding that they don't necessarily move only to Silicon Valley. We've got some people move to New York. Um, yes. And um, but get them really settled there, get them plugged into a network, get them introduced to uh, advisors, um, and then, of course, get them connected to the VC ecosystem. Um, and that, that sometimes takes six months to a year before they can really get settled in. Uh, but that gives them enough time before they have to raise their Series B. Mm -hmm. And what uh, what is your... Analysis of unicorn mania. Um, you know, we've we've settled down a little bit here in the valley. I 
my sense is that in India, the unicorn mania that did happen, I was surprised that it happened to that extent, but it seems to have settled down. How do you parse the, uh, the happenings of the last three, four years? Yeah, it has settled down here as well, uh, fortunately. Um, and um, uh, many of the, um, I, I don't think we've added to the list of unicorns uh, beyond uh, the initial list that we had a couple of years ago. Um, there are companies that are sort of getting into the multi-hundred million dollar valuation. Uh, and the good news is that the companies that are getting there are people, are companies that really have good cash flows that are, uh, that are stable companies. So we, we have a company in our portfolio, uh, First Way, that's getting to that range. Uh, and they are close to um, uh, cash flow positive at this point. Um, what has gone away is the mania of companies that are losing millions of dollars every month and are just getting funded for no reason. Um, so I think things have de definitely uh, become a lot more sensible right now. So the, <laughs> the, the bidding war that happened to get to these billion, some you know, multi-billion dollar valuations that created this unicorn mania were kind of driven by a few funds. How, how has the behavior of those funds changed? Uh, well, they're still active in India. Uh, so, for example, you still see um, uh, funds like uh, SoftBank, Tencent, uh, Alibaba still writing large checks in India. But I think I, uh, uh, um, I think they are uh, the beha behavior in the last uh, uh, year has changed, uh, and it's the really high quality companies that are raising uh, the hundred million dollar plus rounds right now. Um, you know, another example of a company that just raised a large round is Big Basket. And uh, Big Basket's metrics are uh, very strong from what I understand. So, so the, the competitive bidding is not happening? Is that to me? How, how do you check the valuations? Uh, no, the competitive bidding is not happening right now. Um, I see. And, uh, and, you know, the other thing is, of course, there, are, um, there isn't a very large pool of uh, investors that are uh, able to write these uh, $100 million plus checks. Uh, there's just a handful of them. So I don't think there's need for competitive bidding at this point. Okay. So uh, my last question is, um, you know, an observation that we are in 2018. A lot of stuff has already been built. And, um, you know, relative to the amount of capital that is available in the market, there are, you know, 700 plus micro VCs in the market right now. Um, there's a huge number of entrepreneurs who are starting companies and so on and so forth. Um, we can't expect that every single um, venture out of this cauldron of creative energy is going to become a billion-dollar company. It's just not mathematically viable. Those are rare, you know, skill sets. Or those are rare market opportunities. But there are actually lots of opportunities for building smaller companies. You know, if you're looking at 100 million, 200 million, 300 million TAM. There are, company, there are lots of niche opportunities in those spaces. And um, there are some funds that I've talked to who are making note of that, realizing that it's not necessarily as easy to constantly for everybody to chase unicorns, and they are investing in some of these companies with the caveat that they will have to seek early exit. Um, are you seeing this phenomenon in India? Because you said um, 
there is a lot of companies that are getting to a million dollars uh, ARR through their seed funding. And my observation is that not all of these companies actually are playing in these billion-dollar markets. You can get to a million-dollar ARR in a $100 million TAM market or in a $50 million TAM market that would not really qualify for a uh, you know, significant Series A funding because of the TAM issue. What's happening to this pool of companies? Yeah, you know, I think the, uh, the, the companies that reach a million dollars and don't get Series A funded, uh, these companies are actually are cash flow positive at this point in time. So they can choose to remain at that level and continue to grow, maybe not as fast, but they will grow from, um, or without any additional capital, they will grow to three, four, five million dollars um, on their own. Um, but you, you did you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, a very good investment model that is uh, uh, very doable in this geography is to build these companies to uh, get to 100 to 200 million dollars in valuation, and uh, then have them get acquired. And to get to that stage, particularly for enterprise companies, you don't need to uh, look beyond a Series B, um, which which means that they don't need to raise more than 15, 20 million dollars of uh, capital. Um, get to or a lot less actually. You know, the the bulk of the exits happen in the sub-50 million valuation range. So if you can build a company for, you know, very small amounts of money and, and sell at the sub-50 million dollar range, that is a, a decent success for, you know, a set of entrepreneurs and a set of investors as long as you control the parameters that drive making such a, an exit successful, that you haven't raised too much money that that then it's not an interesting exit, right? I agree with you. In fact, we've got several companies in our portfolio where we've done the Series A that are at a point where they can, can be acquired for $1,500 million. And uh, there have been soft feelers from potential acquirers. So we know that we can sell them if we want to, uh, based on the scale that they've achieved. What, what are some examples of um, spaces, more like the categories in which you're seeing these companies? Um, uh, so the, the enterprise companies that I talked about, so uh, the IoT company, the uh, uh, conversational banking company, uh, we also have recently invested in a company that uh, is a, a SaaS solution for small medium-sized hotels. Uh, they've got 2,000 hotel customers across the world uh, in about 100 countries. Uh, there's been soft interest from uh, strategics to either come in and, or to acquire the company in the future. Um, We've got an investment in a company called SignUp, which uh, has 10,000 uh, SME customers in the U.S., uh, built out of India, 35-member uh, uh, team out of India. Uh, and mm -hmm. there, again, there's been sort of soft feelers from people to uh, look to either come in as strategics or to acquire the company. So we do know that all these but companies are But you are paying attention to that uh, phenomenon that there are you – know, not everything is going to be unicorns, but there are smaller exit possibilities as well. Yes, and uh, our fund economics can be uh, very successful with these $100, $200 million exits. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, very good uh, overview of uh, your activities as well as a good uh, you know, trend analysis and uh, back and forth on the Indian and South Asian market. So thank you, Ben, for your perspective. Are you staying for the rest of the session or do you need to drop off?
I, I would probably drop off uh, some of that's okay. Okay, no problem. Well, thank you for coming today. Thank you, thank Folks, you so much.